In many cases, hair loss precedes the diagnosis of almost every single medical condition that we know. So we can actually start addressing those internal problems by focusing on why is the person losing hair and what are the areas where they're losing their hair. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Heal Thyself. We got another beautiful episode for you. Very, very excited to share this with you. As always, thank you for taking the time out of your busy day for being here with us and sharing this vital information with your loved ones. Now, check it out. This guest that we have coming on, Dr. Echeverri, you ever question if you're taking too many showers? You ever question if you're washing your hair too much? You ever question why you may have dry scalp or dandruff? She's going to give us the lowdown on how we should be showering, what we should be using in the shower, what we should be staying away from when we shower, and how often we need to be doing it. These are simple things that we don't know about, but could be affecting our health overall, especially our skin health. So check this out. She's going to go deep into how do we optimize our overall skin health, our scalp health, all things hygiene and healing. And guess what? On today's Knowledge Bomb, how many of you love sushi? How many of you love fish, raw fish or cooked fish? This episode you got to listen to because I'm going to talk about parasites and fish. Now, it's not to scare you, but it's to bring awareness on how to properly eat fish, how to properly eat sushi if you like sushi, sashimi, whatever it is, and to make sure that you're protecting yourself and your health. Very, very important knowledge bomb. When I put it out in my stories a few years ago, there was a huge influx of people who took a lot of interest to it. They were reposting. Now, we're bringing it to one knowledge bomb session, very concise for you to know how to protect yourself. So stay tuned for the best episode of Heal Thyself. All right, everyone, today's special guest, listen, we all have hair. We all have hair follicles, and we want to make sure that our hair is luscious and beautiful, and most importantly, healthy from a holistic perspective. Dr. Andrea is here, and she's an immunologist, microbiologist, and something I never heard of, a trichologist. This is a subset of dermatology, but she approaches skin, skin microbiome from a holistic perspective, meaning how can we optimize our skin microbiome to make sure our skin health is good and our hair is looking beautiful. Thank you for coming on the show, Thank you for Doc. I appreciate me. it. I love it. Okay, look, listen, before we jump in, can you please tell me what a trichologist is? But of course. Okay. So the majority of people... Uh, when they have a hair loss issue or a skin issue, they go to a dermatologist. Now, dermatologists are specialists in skin, uh, hair, and nails. And they do study hair follicle health, but it's actually a very small component of what they learn in medical school. So about 100 years ago, because hair loss issues have always existed, uh, trichology became a more important component for some dermatologists. So there are dermatologists who actually specialize in hair loss issues. A trichologist is somebody who focuses on understanding and optimizing the health of the hair follicle specifically. Why? Because every single hair follicle is an actual individual organ. It is the smallest organ in the body. It has its own connection to blood flow, to the nervous system, to the lymphatic system. And for that reason, when somebody already has a hair loss issue going on, it means that there is something else going on in the body. So it is the best indicator for health. That's actually how I approach it. In many cases, hair loss precedes the diagnosis of almost every single medical condition that we know. And so we can actually start addressing those internal problems by focusing on why is the person losing hair and what are the areas where they're losing their hair. So that's a powerful statement. Hair yes. loss preceding every medical condition. By a few years. By a few years. Okay, so in what way is us losing our hair an indicator of that? So let's start with the fact that hair, because it is an indicator, it requires a lot of nutritional support, okay? So when people start living their lives, and especially now with the toxic environment that we live in, we're going to be getting exposed to a lot of these chemicals and toxins not only through the gut and through the food that we consume, but also through the products that we put on ourselves. And so many times what happens when somebody's not making the right choice of the food or the lifestyle, they're going to start receiving less of the nutrients, both macro and micro, 
that are required for hair to grow really healthy. So if you go back to your years in medical school, if you remember the diagnosis for failure to thrive in children, that's actually how I see hair loss. It is a failure to thrive. In most cases, what we find is with people wanting to lose weight or not gain weight, they start reducing the amount of food that they consume first. And the first thing that's going to happen when they're trying to achieve a specific physique is that the hair is not going to be receiving the amino acids that are required. And also with this movement into veganism and vegetarianism for so many reasons, we're decreasing a lot of the micronutrients that the hair follicle actually requires to really grow very healthy. So that would be the first step, right? We all eat every single day when you start reducing food. You're going to start seeing that the density of the hair and the amount of hair that each follicle produces can be less. Mm. And that then compounds the fact that we're using a lot of products that were really not designed for human use. When you look at the ingredients in soaps and shampoos, it's all marketing when you really look at it. That's the reason why normally you have to buy a shampoo and a conditioner. With the shampoo, we're removing a lot of the natural oils that the hair follicle has to produce, which of course has to come from the food that you are already consuming. And then you have to put it back by putting a conditioner. And so when we compound that, right, the hair follicle, then the there's a separation in the distance between the hair. The scalp becomes then impervious to the elements. If you use hot water on top of the chemicals that we put on our head, the relaxers and all of these other treatments, what happens is that the microbiome starts to respond. And so when we talk about the skin and the scalp microbiome, there is one specific type of fungi called malassezia, and it's on all of us. It really is the driving force behind aggressive forms of hair loss. So what happens with malassezia when you have all this space in between, when the hair is actually not there to protect against UV radiation and other uh, stimuli, Malassezia starts to thrive on the dead skin, on the scalp, and then you start having other problems. That's when a flakiness and excess oiliness starts. And the problem is that some of these microbes, which are natural to us and start to overgrow, start to feed out of the nutrients that the sebaceous gland starts to produce. And so then you start having this never-ending cycle. And that's the reason why sometimes backing out from the products that you use can actually help a lot. Um, I am in favor of using natural oils, but unfortunately some of them can make malassezia thrive because it's a lipophilic uh, type of uh, fungi. So mm. it loves oils in general. Yeah. It wants to feed on your oils, the ones that are produced by the sebaceous gland, and then the oils that you put on your scalp can actually accentuate the problem. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best and they're always at health events and people are loving them and their quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products, GHKCU, and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alitura Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, 
our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trafalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that have been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. Interesting because uh, I, I know a lot of people who were complaining about dermatitis in their hair, itchy scalp, dandruff. You're all saying it's caused by that imbalance and the growth of that fungus. Yes. Okay. Now... When it comes to shampoos and conditioners, should we be shampooing our hair every single day then? I am of the camp that says absolutely not. Um, in fact, about six years ago, there was a little bit of um, uh, movement into no showering, no shampooing. In fact, driven by many medical doctors, and I am part of that camp. So if the scalp is in balance, it can actually go up to a week, two weeks, or even a month without being shampooed. What happens, again, when you're using all of these chemicals is that you're removing what the body already is there. You're damaging the barrier and allowing other things to thrive, which is not really supposed to happen. And then you're going to start having other populations of bacteria that are normally not found at those levels thriving in that area. And so... So what happens is that we understand now that in the uh, civilized world, or the first world, where a lot of these chemicals have been introduced, we have one specific type of bacteria, it's called Neutrosomonas eutropha, which has become extinct from the skin and the scalp. It was actually available commercially until not that long ago, and you could actually put it on the scalp and maintain the scalp without absolutely any problems for a long time. We don't have the product available anymore, but there's other modalities that can be used to keep the scalp in balance. Um, it is recommended sometimes, if there is already a problem, that you switch to, for example, clay-based products. Why? Because malase uh, um, Neutrosomonas eutropha is a bacteria that thrives in every single environment, including the soil, right? So because we have been disconnected from nature, right? Children now are not in touch with animals, with the soil, with farming, with their own food. What happens is that we don't really have this replenishment of this natural bacteria that are occurs in these environments. And so we consider Neutrosomonas eutropha a peacemaker bacteria. It is found, in fact, in many populations around the world that don't use any soaps. But these populations tend to use actual mud to put on their skin. So a, a much better way to take care of the scalp is to actually use clay-based products. You can use it once a week as a pretreatment. You leave it for 5-10 minutes on the scalp, and then you rinse it off. It's basically the same type of clay that can be used on the skin when it's very oily or when there's acne. So I find that to be a much more productive way to maintain the balance. And then, of course, people that have hair, uh, because this is something that is not alive, right? It's a fiber. What we want to do is actually treat the ends uh, without having to actually wash it off every single time. Mm -hmm. So you can do the clay treatment on the scalp. You can put any of the oils that we know that are beneficial for hair 
jojoba, grapeseed, uh, directly on the uh, tip of the ends. And then when you rinse off with water, you're going to notice that the hair is actually going to look and behave much more naturally. That's powerful to think about because so many of us have grown up, you know, not even thinking twice about the Absolutely. importance of what hygiene means. You gotta shower. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta use soap. Even better, antibacterial soap we yes. get marketed, right? We got to use shampoo and conditioner. Correct. You know, and there was a whole movement. You do it every day. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, maybe every other day is good. And now you have people saying maybe shampoo once a week. So it, there's so many different camps, as you're saying. But I want to go back to this clay cleaner, this clay-based yes. shampoo. Uh, what you're saying is this particular species of bacteria has become extinct in America here. In many of the Western, many of the Western. countries. Yes. Okay. And this bacteria is the peacemaker mm -hmm. in the biome. It is the thing that really helps keep balance. It is our, one of the things that, uh, that helps. In our Absolutely. scalp. Absolutely. And if it's not there, the fungus, Malassezia, yes. is having a party. That's exactly right. It's like the gatekeeper in yes. many ways, right? Yes. So, so, and we're getting this mostly from clay or the, or the clay is mimicking the, well, the, we, the effect? We are supposed to be born with it. This is the reason why we think that it's becoming extinct from the Western uh, civilization. So, if you are born with it, of course, because it's growing on the skin and potentially other parts of your parents, every time that you come uh, in touch with other person's skin, you're going to be in contact with it. So because we're using the detergents, the Nutrisomonas is extremely sensitive to soap. And in fact, when we were trying to replenish it in a spray, we would find that, yes, you needed to actually interrupt the use of soaps for at least 10 to 15 days to allow it to start to become reestablished and to start growing. It's a very slow-growing bacteria. Mm. So that's partially the reason why uh, in children, for example, now with the rates of eczema that are so high, uh, what we find is that using a lot of these detergents on the children, right? Like children, for example, even if, if they're playing outside, a really healthy child can be potentially bathed three times a week at the most, without really having to use the soap on the rest of the skin. So it might not be that it's completely extinct. It's just it's at very reduced levels. And because we are constantly washing it off and damaging it, then you have the, the, the resurgence of this kind of uh, skin issues. Mm. From the skin microbiome research, actually something very interesting has happened. And it's partially the reason why uh, we believe it's been so difficult to introduce a biome-friendly products. So... For a lot of the clinical trials for skin microbiome products, the companies will ask their uh, subjects to interrupt every single product that they're using for at least three weeks minimum. And what they find is that many of the skin conditions that these people suffer from go away. Wow. <laughs> Between 50 to 70% of people actually see an improvement by removing some of these products. And so you can imagine if you're doing a clinical trial, right, to see exactly what is the effect of a specific chemical or an oil extract or a postbiotic of a fermented product, and 50 to 70% of your subjects already have this amazing placebo effect, then do we really need to introduce these other products? So again, that's the reason why my aim is to try to teach people that less is more. Yeah, instead of going for the new marketed Better Biome exactly. skin or Better Biome lotion or Better Biome shampoo Correct. or conditioner. It's it, may more not, about, it may not be necessary. It may not be necessary because you're saying, and that's that's like really fascinating to yeah. think if these people just, and let, let me be clear, you were saying they remove soap, they remove shampoo and, conditioner and conditioners and lotions and things like that. Correct. And, and so they just went all natural. Well, you know, it's very hard for, pe for people to do that. But if they're going to be, they're already having so many skin issues, right? So we're talking yeah. about clinical trials for eczema, for mm -hmm. acne, for psoriasis. They have already tried every single other thing that is available. Nothing is working. They're going to be part of a clinical trial. They're going to try their best to basically uh, be able to be included. But this is, again, some, some of the things that have been found in the process is still not published, which is the reason why people won't really adhere to this less grooming, you know, stop being so much of an over-groomer. And it's difficult because you, you touched on hygiene, right? So right. there are specific parts of the body that, yes, they could be cleansed every single day. Mm -hmm. These are the areas that normally, one, 
they're going to harbor other kinds of bacteria. They may also have follicles that may be a little bit larger. So we recommend that, yes, if you're going to clean any parts of the body, you do, you do those only uh -huh, uh -huh. behind the ears, the armpits, right. the groin, you know, this area, yeah. and then your feet, of course. But the rest of the skin really doesn't need to come in contact with soaps. In fact, we see a lot of women that have facial issues that are coming from the hair products that they're using or people that have back acne or chest acne when they remove the soap and the shampoo because, of course, you're using water to remove them. You have a lot of the chemicals actually right. coming in contact with these areas, and the problem uh, tends to actually improve right away. So I suffered with psoriasis for many years. Really? And, and I found, I remember there was a shampoo years ago that I would wash with, and it wasn't psoriasis shampoo. It was just like one of the quote-unquote natural shampoos. Okay. And every time it went down my leg, I would start itching. There you go. I would, That's my exactly calves what would itch. My knees would itch. I remember I would always itch in the shower. Correct. And itch is actually one of the major problems that that um, that a lot of people have, especially children. We know now that those children that have eczema and can sleep very well actually won't be able to perform that well in school. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, recently, the company that works with Nitrosomonas Eutropha and is doing the clinical trials with it found that the heat inactivated form of the bacteria actually helps for itch. So they're now in basically trying to enter the third stage of clinical trial for that. If we can actually put something on the skin to minimize itch for any reason, that's actually going to improve your mental clarity, right? You don't have to be thinking about it. You don't have to be reaching for something, be worrying about it all the time. Then you can place your focus on something else other than managing the itch sensation. Right, right. So, so would you say as a barometer, two to three weeks to help reestablish our natural biome on our skin? Well, some, some people need to start a little bit slow. So the first thing is to actually reduce the number of products. And of course, the first thing that you already should have done is to have removed most uh, products that have phthalates, right? Uh, parabens, which we know are very damaging to the skin microbiome. It can have some purposes, of course, for the maintenance of a product in a bottle, but for your skin, it's not going to be so healthy. So once you're using those products, the whole point is to first use a lot less, use it in the areas that are just necessary. Um, a lot of people benefit from just putting a little bit of water, which is the other thing that I found in my practice, that a lot of my clients, especially male clients, who were experiencing skin and scalp issues and extreme forms of hair loss, it, the reason why it was happening is because they started going to the gym twice a day. So they would shower in the morning with a soap, go to the gym. And of course, a lot of people don't like that sensation of the sweat. Then they will come back and rinse again with soap and shampoo. And then they will have, they will have to start the process again. So feeling more comfortable when you are physically active, many times what I recommend for people is just when you come back from the gym, just simply rinse off. That is the amazing thing about nitrosomonas. It actually thrives on the ammonia that comes off of the skin. Mm. That is the whole purpose of it. It breaks, down, it breaks down ammonia into nitrite and nitrate. And then you can, your skin can actually produce nitric oxide. So if you're going to be sweating, you don't have to use a soap. That may actually help the natural nitrosomonas that, that is on you, maybe what you're encountering in nature, to actually start thriving again in the areas where it's needed. Mm. To think about that, because a lot of us come back, I mean, just this morning, uh, I was, what did I do? Oh, I did a sauna. Yeah. And then, I, you know, I ate a little food, did some work, and then I, I'm like, okay, I got to go to the gym now. Uh -huh. But I already showered after the sauna because I was <laughs> dripping in sweat. Of course, which is the right moment to do it. Right, it was right. right. But then I go to the gym, and then I was like, oh, okay, you know, I won't really sweat. Like, and then I start sweating at the gym like crazy. So then I came back. It took a, two showers in, in already what? In three hours. No wonder, dog. Three, four hours, you know what I mean? So, exactly. So what is the proper, healthy amount of showers that we should be taking per week? <laughs> I'm asking you the real good questions here. Yes, I know. At first, if you do two to three times a day, go for once. Only at the end of the day. What people don't realize is that when they lay down, you know, of course I favor actually sleeping in the nude. <laughs> Why? Because your skin is going to be in contact with fabrics and you have a lot of exploration happening like that. We know that the microbiome tends to be more active at night as it happens with the circadian rhythm and many other processes in the body. 
And so when you wake up in the morning, you don't have to shower again. You can clean the bits as necessary. That will be the first one, right? You just reduce the frequency. The other one is you have to reduce the temperature of the water. That really is the most damaging. If you do want to jump in, jump in the shower, the last thing that you want to do is actually put your face and your scalp under really scalding water. Most people don't realize uh, how hot it is. And so once you reduce the amount of water, and you can actually do this once a day kind of showering when maybe cleaning the other parts in the sink, like we used to do, you know, hundreds if not thousands of years ago, then you can start feeling more comfortable. For example, people who live in areas where there's winter, right? So I'm in Florida. We don't really have a winter. But in the winter months, you can actually reduce the shower frequency to three times a week. That's actually what a lot of dermatologists recommend. And you're going, going to need many less moisturizers and other products and emollients to keep your skin in the barrier where it should be. Yeah. So, but again, you know, I belong to a very small group of people. Uh, the interesting thing is that, like you were talking about with the hygiene, a lot of people are concerned that they're going to smell. They're afraid of smelling like humans. We actually have like this really nice sweet smell to us when mm -hmm. we don't overwash. And if you're, if you're actually using some of the natural oils that we know that are healthy for the skin and you're replenishing and helping the barrier that way, you're going to notice that you're not going to smell. And so that's the first fear that uh, most people actually have. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we think about it. I mean, the, the social stigma. The social stigma. That's yes, the big exactly. thing. And people, I, I, I know. But people. we don't live in the Middle Ages anymore, right? Right, exactly. We, <laughs> Who are, who's riding horses, you know what I mean? No. And, and being with their cattle every single day and, exactly. you know, working with, with pigs. We don't. Exactly. So we really we don't. don't need to be that overly uh, aggressive with the washing yeah. that, that we do. Let, let, let me go back. It is taking a hot shower and putting hot water on the face and the scalp damaging? Absolutely. So let's think about the process, right? So you have hot water that is coming through pipes. Well, that water, if it's not filtered, it's going to be coming with some chemicals, with chlorine, microplastics, and then the shower head is actually the perfect environment for some bacteria that may actually be in your bathroom, right? So as a microbiologist, we're always thinking of how do people come in contact with microbes that were actually in their intestine, right? So you have your shower in the same place where you have your toilet. So you take your uh, bowel movement, maybe you don't close the lid, and a lot of these bacteria actually become aerosolized and can attach to the shower head. So what we recommend is if you are going to shower, first look at the shower head. Decontaminate it every so often. You can also put a filter directly in line with the shower head to actually minimize some of these chemicals. But in principle, the skin is a very delicate uh, surface, so it doesn't need to have this constant pressure that happens when you have uh, water coming out directly. You can also soften the blow. If you want to still do it, you can soften the blow of the pressure of the water with your hand or use a shower head that gives you more of a misting effect. So it's just, I want people to become aware of every single one of these things that can actually be affecting them. And every time that I do, people realize, oh, you're right. I didn't realize exactly how it is that I shower. The other recommendation, don't shower face front. Actually back up into the shower. If you want to use hot water, use it on your shoulders, maybe your back. And then at the end of the shower, lower the temperature and then finish with a cool uh, rinse, basically. Mm. And so what is the hot water specifically doing to our scalp when we're, cause I, listen, I know that a lot of people love taking the steaming hot showers mm -hmm. right to the full and the steam is coming up and you walk in, you can't even see your hand in front yes. of you. You know, you know what I mean? People, that's not me. <laughs> but, but what is, is the, is the heat damaging the scalp microbiome? Absolutely. Even without the chemicals, then we're taking that out, taking the shampoo chemicals, the pipe chemicals, the steam is in itself damaging. That is correct. If, remember that the pH of water is it's seven, so it's supposed to be neutral, but the skin and the scalp favor and actually behave much more normally at a much lower pH. That is the reason why when you use water, for example, when you go into the sauna, Try it next time. If you rub your skin just by being in the sauna, you're going to notice that there's a layer yeah. of skin that comes off. That just with a little bit of the steam. So if you're having actually the, the, the temperature and the pressure directly on the skin, you're going to break through a very delicate barrier. It is very different, the barrier, 
and we think of the skin microbiome as a biofilm. It actually lives all the way throughout the deepest layers of the, of the dermis. And the upper layer, what's supposed to be always flaking off, it's very delicate. And so that's partially a part of the problem. The pH of water and the pH of the skin are a little bit off. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? And experience a brew that's not only delicious, but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health focused principles backed by solid, scientific, research based, rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity, and this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy, boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roast with sweet fruity notes and their dark roast with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and healthspan is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been over and I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights. And these are staples. And, I, and not just me. I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle. Staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. Listen, I have a whole new plan now when I go home. Oh, I'm, just, I'm so happy. I got a new life. Okay, so let me, let me, let me in my head think about these things. Uh, shower filter, you had mentioned, could be yes. very powerful. I want to go into those in a minute. Um, showering less, yes. but um, maybe like over the sink, cleaning my bits, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Uh, lowering the temperature, Absolutely. even if it's hot. But even if, if there is hotter temperature, letting it hit your shoulders, not your face, not your scalp. Right. And... Um, well, am I missing anything? Those are those were the those I'm, are the basics. Those are the basics, yes. right? Just reducing. If people can just adhere to those. They're gonna see major changes. Wow. Okay. So, when we talk about the chemicals coming out of the shower pipes, do water filters really work, or is that just a scam? No, it does. Especially for chlorine. If the water that we use for showering wasn't already recycled multiple times, 
then we probably wouldn't need them. But the major one is chlorine, of course. And what is chlorine in the shower doing, both as water and as steam? Is it affecting us? Some people actually do. In, in areas of the, especially the U.S., where the chlorination is much higher, some people can actually start having intranasal issues where their asthma actually gets a little bit worse or the rhinitis gets a little bit worse, irritation of the eye as well. So that is the problem with, with chlorine. Once it gets in the water, it gets heated, it can then become a gas. A, also the reason why when people go into a pool, they can have these kinds of reactions. Mm. You see me every time I come out the shower, I always rubbing my eyes since I was a yes, kid. Yes, of course. Scratching my eyes and of everything. Course. But uh, but the chlorine in itself, what about when it hits our scalp? Is it disinfecting the microbiome? Well, we don't really need that. Again, mm. the microbiome, especially the skin microbiome, seems to be very simple, much less complex than that of the gut. And so... If you are putting something that is supposed to neutralize microbes in the water, you're going to have this chemical in direct contact with the entire biofilm that is the skin, and you're going to be damaging potentially some of the microbes that we do need on the surface to actually keep it intact. Yeah, this is so fascinating to think about because it's so applicable because we all shower. That's so applicable because we use shampoo and conditioner, right? We all want to smell good, and we all take hot showers. the, the cold part that you said, is that actually helpful for the follicles or does it worsen the follicles? Well, a lot of the techniques that we use in clinic do induce blow flow by increasing a little bit of temperature. And also that can enhance the penetration of some chemicals, especially if you're using a scalp product. So hair, the hair fiber itself, does benefit from cooling water. A, the scalp itself, again, because of that irritation process and that over-drying, while we're thinking of the skin as an organ, we're losing a lot of water directly to it, through mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So when you're raising the temperature, actually asking the body to dehydrate even further. Going back to malassation, once you, got the, the, you have dehydration, malassation is going to start thriving, mm. which is the reason why then people have to put something on to try to replenish the barrier back again. Mm. So for, for folks who go, okay, I want to optimize my scalp biome. You mentioned the clay shampoos. Those are just powder-based, clay-based, and you just put it with water and then you just let it sit on the head? There are already some commercially available products that are used for the face, uh, especially those are formulated uh, for people that have acne. Products like that actually work really, really well. Of course, they have to be diluted a little bit and then placed on the scalp for five to 10 minutes. At first, you do, you know, short amounts of time and then you rinse it off really well. Okay, and then and then you can use the beneficial oils, like you yes. said, the jojoba, for example, and that's going to help your hair come to more natural aliveness, like yes, you said. Exactly. And what's the difference in the quality of the hair if I'm using, you know, Old Spice shampoo and Old Spice <laughs> conditioner? What happens to the hair? Does it get weaker, thinner, more brittle, less life? What happens over time? Yeah, that's exactly what happens. So, if you think of the hair follicle as the root of a tree, right? When you overwater a plant, for example, you can actually make the leaves, right, kind of very weakened. The same thing happens with the hair follicle and hair. Uh, We do notice reduction in the thickness of the hair fiber itself, also because the ends of it, right, were born or came out of the scalp so long ago, and hairs are actually multiple fibers uh, uh, that are uh, together then you start having split ends, right? So that's what happens with a lot of people. Their ends actually are very difficult to manage. They have to use the products, and then eventually they're not going to help. So when you have all of these chemicals and the heat and everything else, and then the tools that a lot of people use to change the hair fiber itself, you're weakening something that is actually one of the strongest materials on earth, almost as similar as silk. Wow. That's actually the way, the way that I like to think about uh, hair itself. So when you don't, you don't damage the fiber itself, it tends, it tends to be more resilient. Mm. So something like, how about drying your hair, blow drying your hair, using uh, the the ironing of the hair straighteners? What happens to the hair? Is that damaging the hair? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, we find that a lot of women who undergo, for example, keratin, right, the Brazilian strengthening process, because the keratin has to be introducing to the fiber to really make it much more pliable and, and, and thinner, that heat tool, when it's applied directly to the scalp, can stunt growth for months 
sometimes up to a year. One application, wow. that's more than enough. Is it the chemical that was applied or was it the heat? We don't know. But in the um, African-American community, right, because of this ideal of wanting to have mm-hmm. the straightest hair, uh, we see some of the most aggressive forms of hair loss, especially around the face. These hair follicles are, after all, in a very delicate area. You have the skin, which is fully exposed to all the elements, and then you have a very small area with follicles that are always trying to grow. And so when you're applying the chemicals and the heat and everything else, you can lose the half an inch, and that's more than enough to actually start like the desert type of hair loss where people start receding. And once you recede an inch, all beds are off. We talked about the chemical, the mechanical, what's hitting us, sides of hair loss or quality of hair. But off air, we were talking a little bit about the emotional side. Oh, yeah. Is there an emotional component to hair loss? So as a behavioral psychologist, and I've been doing this for almost 10 years, one-on-one with clients, especially women, what I found is that, yes, it is important to treat the physical body, we have an emotional body and an energetic body. And what, what I found was that with a lot of these women that were having all kinds of skin and scalp issues, including hair loss, eh, they were holding on to emotions many times that were coming from childhood. And so in many cases, part of my consultation to be able to really achieve the results that I was able to achieve I needed to become a little bit of a psychologist and consultant to them, right? Especially because women, if they were born to a broken family, right, and they don't have the support, and then they have to support their own family, they stop taking care of themselves. Many times they don't have anybody to share their emotions with. They become disconnected of themselves, and they needed somebody to listen to them. Many times they will come to me for a treatment that I do that's called scalp micropigmentation. It's a form of permanent uh, tattooing to camouflage the scalp. And just by going through a very short conversations of exactly what it is that they were feeling, well, they had just gotten divorced or separated. They wanted to start dating again. They didn't feel comfortable with their own image. But in reality, there were many other issues that were buried deep down and just talking about them was making them feel better about themselves without needing to go through this very expensive, complicated treatments that were really not necessary. And so when we find, for example, you talked about it not long ago, women that have thyroid issues and thyroid-related hair loss, well, they don't speak their truth. Mm -hmm. They actually don't even know how to find the words to say what they want to say. And so I become an advocate for them, right? I allow them to know that they always have a way of communicating that they, if they need to say something, they should say it. Uh, so I'm very uh, big on helping women learn about vagal tone, how singing, talking, humming can actually help them be able to release some of these emotions. So that was the first, right? I found a lot of women that were already on thyroid medication and many other things that had never really put two and two together, right? That they had trauma, sex, sexual abuse, uh, they were in abusive households. Um, they had to shut their mouth and swallow their words, and that was partially was driving a lot of the medical issues that they had. So once they put it, uh, you know, the two, two, two and two together, they were like, "This is really amazing. I feel better now." And guess what? The hair responds to that because it is connected to the rest of the organs. So that's for people that have thyroid issues. Uh, the other one is in Chinese medicine, uh, we understand that there are to important organs, right, for detoxification and then production and storage of many other uh, things, the liver and the gallbladder. So the main symptom that we have for people that have a gallbladder dysfunction is the inability to digest fats. So the first thing that most people will do is they're going to stop some of the foods that have this high fat intake, but the gallbladder can actually be storing bile. Their liver can be producing it. They can still be excreted as necessary, but because they're holding on to resentment, that's actually the emotion that is held in the gallbladder, if we don't treat the emotional resentment, then the gallbladder can function as well as it should. And that's basically my experience, that when we start treating the emotion itself and for the person to find that root cause of where the resentment 
comes in, then they can start digesting fats and having a bowel movement every single day. This happens a lot, with, a lot with women, especially, where they start having this chronic constipation that don't go for two, three days, and that's basically what can drive it. Anger is the other emotion, which is normally held in the liver. And so if your liver is not functioning properly, I mean, all the functions that the liver does, right? So trying to tap and trying to understand the root cause of the emotion that is causing some of these issues can take a little bit of a little bit of time. That's the reason why I, I do recommend for people to always look for a holistic practitioner as much as possible, especially if they have traumatic experiences in yeah. the past. That can help a lot. Yeah, I love this is true holistic approach, right? Mm-hmm. We talk Absolutely. about that physical body, the emotional body and, and connecting. And, and how many of us go, yeah, actually that really makes sense. Yes. Right? That really makes sense of the digestion, right? The resentment, the anger that we hold in our belly. And and how it's connected in the way that I've probably never even heard up till now. Yes. Hair and all of this as a big picture, right? Because we need all of that. So when we think about the emotional body, people can allow themselves to speak, right? Working on that, like working with you, opening that space. But you mentioned about the soul body. <laughs> How do we start? What, what, the, the third part, is there a soul connection that we need to be in, in line with? Maybe purpose, maybe just yes. with present moment, maybe with that. And, and is, is that stress of not having that affecting our hair too? Absolutely. Again, so... The fact that the majority of people live in urban settings and there is a separation from nature, that we don't understand that we come from the earth. We are the earth, right? Whether or not you believe in God or something else, reconnecting with nature is the most important thing. Allowing a little bit of time and space every single day to look up to the sky, to connect with the birds, with the trees, with the soil. And so we have all these techniques now that we can use. I have helped so many women just by teaching them what grounding is. And that can actually help things immediately. And it's amazing because hair actually, for some reason, starts to actually lift a little bit and it gives more volume right away. So I have people who do grounding every single day. So people will buy, you know, the mats and the other things that they need. And especially if they work in front of computers where they're getting in contact with all these EMFs that are so damaging, walking away from that putting the phone down, living it in another place, you know, all those things can really help a lot. Mm. It's it, about being connected and just being in tune with what we're supposed to be. And I think about you saying grounding and the hair standing up. It's like our antennas get activated, <laughs> exactly. right? It's like, yes. right? Like, <laughs> here we go. We're back to earth. Yeah. So getting back to, and that's so, that feeds our soul because we remember that we are not separate from nature. It's yes. our spirit that is like, Wow, that's the spirit of the tree. Wait a minute, I am the tree. You the, are tree the tree is me, yes, right? Exactly right. So it's beautiful things to think about. I, I want to put the tail end of this on: what foods can we eat for hair? What do, what do we? What internal? We talked about the external, right? On the on the superficial. Mm-hmm. What what type of things do we need to be bringing? You mentioned fats into our diet to have really luscious, beautiful. And by the way, for people viewing or listening, you got luscious hair. And you, this is not even as dense as it could be, actually. Okay, yeah. So, so everyone, everyone listening and not on the visual, she's got some luscious hair. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what do we need to be eating? What do we need to incorporate? Because some of us are carnivores. Some of us mm. don't eat meat and everything in between. What are some staples that we need to be having? So, again, going back to the basics, it has to be balanced. Whether or not, whether you're consuming animal products or not. The balance, what we find for people who want to grow hair and do grow hair very healthy, it's about 40% carbohydrates, whatever source it is that you're looking for. Then you need to have about 30% coming from protein, whether it's vegan or animal, that's perfectly Mm -hmm. fine. And then you need to have those fatty acids. So we go back to the staples, nuts and seeds. That's also going to give fiber, which is the other thing that most people are actually missing in their diets. I find eggs, if you are pescatarian and you can introduce eggs into your diet, is actually one of the first things that people remove from their diet, either because they're too busy or they don't have the time to cook. And so adding two to three eggs a day can actually help a lot. I eat personally nose to tail. I grew up in Colombia and that's actually how I was raised. So for me, I choose liver at least once a week. I know this is super weird, 
instead of taking supplementation, if you can just go back to those things that we have always used, it can help a lot. Now let's chat about something crucial that is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right, we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And, and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with Omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Pure's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Pure is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Pure.com. Use my promo code DRG, that's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Peori. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water or kombucha or coffee or tea. But not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century-old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up, so easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha, plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash DRG. You're going to get 15% off plus all those freebies. Mm. Uh, when it comes to hot carbohydrates, we're not, th we're not talking just about your rice, beans, and... Uh, potatoes, for example, we're also talking about the fruits and vegetables, right? So when I go through the log of foods that people who are losing hair actually write out, their diet is extremely uh, very yeah. uh, narrow, yeah. okay? It just needs to be a little bit more diverse, basically. As long as there's no gastrointestinal issues going on, the whole point is to always be trying something new. Uh, and again, going back to nature, anything that grows out of the ground or in a tree should be a staple in your diet. And that should be about that 50% of the carbohydrates that we need to be consuming. Mm. So really easy, right? Because, it's easy. Because right? we can have access. I mean, we talk, people know that beans, legumes, nuts, uh, seeds, and then the fiber, the colors of the rainbow, whether you're vegan or you're carnivore, anything right. in between, you can have those sources of plant-based protein or animal-based protein. Yes, exactly. But, but make, it's, it, what I'm hearing is just more awareness of what you're eating and more diversity, exactly. expanding it. Because a lot of people get very comfortable and they go, I mean, this is my diet Yes, here. exactly. Five and or six things and they eat it every single things. day. Right. And, and, and what that's doing is causing a depletion in those nutrients that feed the hair follicle. Yes. I love that. I love it. I love it. Okay, so um, is there anything else that we should care? I had a question that I, oh, how about this? Somebody had said I should with a uh, brush, like a plastic brush, yes. stimulate my scalp every, every day in the shower. <laughs> Should I be doing that or, or, or are my fingers good enough when I shampoo? Well, so I got to tell you, <clears throat> uh, if you are treating the scalp correctly, you should be anyway. 
touching ourselves is part of that connection, right? So okay. when you're applying a product directly on the scalp, as a scalp treatment, for example, just the massage in motion is enough. We don't really need to be putting a brush per se. There are some that are a little bit better. Now, this is a trend. I think it came out like three or four years ago, you know, with companies always wanting to introduce a new product. I find that the plastic ones or silicone that come with a little tip, when you look with the microscope, you actually see scratches directly into the scalp. Why? Because most people don't even know how much pressure to put in. I don't find them to be really necessary. Um, there's other um, scalp scratches, for example, that come with like little tiny um, steel uh, tips. Those actually, like people use it to soothe and massage. That actually is a lot more beneficial than the ones that are made out of silicone and plastic. Right. And again, if you are going to use them, you already have it. Some people do see some benefits because, again, they stopped touching themselves a long time ago and they start treating the scalp correctly. So just by using it very softly, you don't need to put a lot of pressure. You also don't need to be scrubbing like it's, you know, a, a car or a dirty, you know, right. surface. Just doing very softly and, and not putting a lot of pressure it can okay. help a little bit. But I find that the fingers themselves, just because we're connecting uh, with ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And if you have a partner, right, somebody, for example, that's losing hair in the back of the head, it's a little more difficult to apply a product. We'll have somebody in your family, even a child, right, touch you in that area. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Okay. Uh, I'm starting to get a big picture now. Nice. All I know is my water bill is going to go down. <laughs> that's what we know. My shampoo purchases are going to go down. I might be smelling like a natural caveman. Not a, you're gonna say you're gonna smell like a baby. But like a baby, okay? Yes, and I'm milky gonna be, and sweet. But, but 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 that's my the, all my um all my scents, my natural scents are gonna be flowing, yes. my aromatics in the air. So, well, if you're into essential oils, you know, I love reason, essential oils. There's there's a reason why they exist, and in fact, it's not just because of the effect directly on the scalp. I guess what. Hair follicles actually are connected to the olfactory system. So that might be one of the reasons why essential oils uh, can be so beneficial, not just because when they come in contact with the skin, but the fact that when you bring them close to your nose, they're activating the rest of the senses. They, they, I feel that. It's absolutely. There's it a reason why they've been with us for thousands of years. I'm going to widen my diet. I'm going to eat more protein even. Okay. And, and listen... When you see me in six months, I might have like a Beauty and the Beast mane. Oh yeah! Right, just flowing like the Lion King, <laughs> and come out the come out Down the, to your chest. That would be nice. Come out the Florida water, right? Like Fabio. That's how I'm gonna You'll be, be the Spanish Fabio. Yes, the Spanish Fabio. I gotta tell you, I really appreciate your knowledge, and I appreciate you. how you share it and how you deliver it, and and the heart you have behind it. Because I, I see that you not just want to do it for the physical, but you want to do it from the emotional standpoint, the soul standpoint, and really essentially bringing people back to nature, which That's is exactly everything. Exactly right, especially the young generation. We need a lot more guidance. We need to go back to how how things were. How do people find you? Uh, I'm in all social media, of course. I am Dr. Andrea Echeverry. uh, And I do have a company uh, with a website. It's Hair Pigment Center. So Mm -hmm. they can also find me that way. I'm very responsive to direct messaging. So please don't be afraid to contact me that way. Yeah, and you put up some good stories. You got some good highlights. You got some good videos. It's If you need hair help, go there. I love that. Thank you so much for joining, Doc, and all the love. Same to you. If you eat fish, if you eat sushi, if you eat sashimi, nigiri, lox, carpaccio, you must listen to this episode. Okay, today is the day I finally talk about raw fish, sushi, sashimi. About a year ago, I did a set of stories around sushi and parasites, and it blew up. Thousands and thousands of people were sending them to their loved ones, and hundreds of the DMs I was getting. It was really something. And I realized how many people love eating raw fish, sushi, sashimi, whatever you're doing. So finally, the show is here. Now today, I'm going to be talking about parasites and raw fish. If you eat or have eaten raw fish of any kind, this show's for you. I'm going to go into how eating raw fish has boomed in the United States. What is a parasite? Where are they found? How do they affect our health? How common are these infections? Then we're going to go into an interesting study that found that marine parasites have been increasing. Now, how is a parasite transmitted before it gets on our plate? Very important to know. And more importantly, what are the signs and symptoms of this infection? And lastly, what to look for to protect yourself if you're consuming raw fish. So raw fish consumption popularity has boomed in the United States. The sushi restaurant sector has blown up. Now, more and more, 
many of us are into taking the experience of this Japanese tradition, right? And naturally, as the demand rises, so too does the risks of improper handling of the fish and ultimately infections from parasites. So the market size for sushi restaurant sector has blown up. Back in 2012, here in the United States, the sector was $17 billion. Now it's up to $24 billion. And we love raw fish. Sushi was my favorite in college. It was my date go-to, my friends go out to dinner go-to, my solo order in go-to. It was the thing. So when it comes to parasites, we need to be aware of how they affect us. Now, parasites are organisms that they live in the host. That's no surprise. And they utilize the host nutrients for life, right? And this can cause a multitude of diseases in humans. Now, it can be passed on in many different ways. Bug bites, waste, soil. And for the purposes of this episode, water, and food. The latter two being the most common. Now, infection usually begins in the gut when these buggers can move all throughout our system and get into our tissues after. So even the capacity for these parasites through evolution has grown to even evade our immune system. And they lay eggs within us and it can stay in our system for weeks up to years and years and years. So how common are these infections? In developing countries, about 30 to 60% of people are infected with parasites. Now, when it comes to the United States, it's harder to find that exact number. I was looking everywhere. We, we don't have an exact number on how many of us in the United States are infected with parasites. I'm assuming it would be less, but I could be wrong. So, there was a study that showed the parasitic infection in fish has been increasing. Now, there was a meta-analysis out of the University of Washington called It's a Wormy World, and it was published in Global Change Biology Journal. And they analyzed 123 papers published between 1967 and 2017 to track down the long-term changes in the abundance of specific aquatic parasites. One particular parasite called Anisakis, aka herringworm, is a nematode that causes anisakiasis, which creates a multitude of gastrointestinal issues, similar to food poisoning. Now, the study found a 283-fold increase from the years of 1978 to 2015 in this parasite's abundance in water. It's incredible, right? The parasitic infection was primarily found in Japan, but since the boom in sushi has came to the United States and South America, we also find it here. So why has there been a flourishing of these parasites in the water? Well, the authors aren't sure. But some of the theories are climate change, the warming of the waters, fertilizer and runoff, and just increase in mammals, right? The more mammals, the more feces, the more feces, the more parasitic life cycles are perpetuated. So how's it transmitted? Dr. Nancy Craig has written a nice write-up about parasites and fish in the Canadian Physician Journal. Basically, the embryos of these parasites are eaten by small little crustaceans called copepods. And as they develop within these crustaceans, they're eaten by fish. Then the parasite moves into the muscle fibers of the fish. The parasite is then passed on to the animal or human when the fish is eaten raw. So the Anisakis nematode stays in the intestine for just a small amount of time, and they grow to about two centimeters in length. But then there's the other common worm that is found in fish, and it's a tapeworm. So what are the signs and symptoms of a parasitic infection from raw fish? Well, they can be mild symptoms like just fatigue, some constipation, some abdominal discomfort, or it can get more severe like food poisoning. Now the labs may look normal. You may see low B12 or pernicious anemia. And this is because the worm, when it's in the upper intestine, is eating up all of your vitamin B12 to survive. So your blood, red blood cells are gonna suffer as a result. So this brings on the question, how do we protect ourselves? What about preparation? All fish are subject to parasitic infection. Of course, there's a higher risk when you're consuming raw fish. But there's also a risk if you're cooking fish. You wanna make sure you're cooking it thoroughly and fully through. Now, salmon is one of the most commonly infected fish. So you gotta make sure you're cooking it at 55 degrees Celsius or 131 degrees Fahrenheit for five minutes and that'll kill the larva. For raw fish, sushi, sashimi, it's very important, whoever you get the sushi from, that they need to be handling it properly. You gotta make sure that this fish is frozen at negative 20 degrees Celsius or negative 68 degrees Fahrenheit for seven days or they're flash freezing at negative 35 degrees Celsius or negative 95 degrees Fahrenheit for 15 hours. The caveat is the flesh must be less than 15 centimeters thick. Now, this is standard for public health, but 
you never know if sushi restaurants are fully following, right? So I suggest making sure, talking to the people there, especially if you're enjoying having sushi at this place and gonna go there more than once. I also suggest cutting your sushi before you eat it and take a little look. See if you see a little wormy guy moving around. For treatment, there's also antiparasitic medications out there. If you go back to the parasite show that I had, I go over all of the natural treatments for parasites too. So I'm not trying to scare you from eating raw fish. Uh, are you likely to get infected for, with a parasite from eating raw fish? No, you're less likely, but there's always a chance, especially if the sushi is handled poorly or the raw fish is handled poorly. So I wanted to bring awareness to you that a parasitic infection is a risk, especially if you're consuming the raw fish. And for you to know that not all raw fish is created equal. This is how you have to make sure who you're getting it from and how they're handling it. So that is all you need to know about fish, raw fish, sushi, parasites, what you need to do, what you need to ask. Find out, make sure if you're eating raw fish, you do these things to protect yourself, protect your gut, and protect your overall health.